Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, wellness innovation in Paris. We travel to the French capital for the famous interior design trade show Maisonneuve, where they have made a strong push towards wellness. We will explore what that means with some leading voices from the show and the industry. In this episode, we'll hear from Laurence Carr, founder and CEO of the circular design firm Laurence Carr Inc., Brune Ograt, strategic planner and perspectivist at the trend agency Peclair Paris, and another trend agency, Mallory Huron, beauty and wellness strategist at Fashion Snoops. We will talk to these people about why every brand needs to think about wellness going forward, the material innovations transforming the traditional design sector, and the next technologies that will transform the beauty and wellness industry. My name is Conrad Olsson, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind. And with me now, I have my colleague, Yuan Magnusson, our man in Paris. How are you, Yuan? I'm very good. It's been two intense uh, weekends, so... uh... Not so rested, and uh, we have Copenhagen Fashion Week and Stockholm Design Week coming up, so um, we better be prepared. Well, it's about to get more intense, so by the time we air this, we will have done our transformation talks uh, out at Stockholm Fashion District, where the Nordic Fabric Fair, we will air that in this podcast feed in the weeks to come, and we'll also next week be in Copenhagen, as you mentioned, uh, for our next edition of Beauty Innovation Talks in collaboration with SIF and our friends from Reviv. If you want to partake in that event, just go to ScandinavianMind.com and click the appropriate link. But for now, Yuan, Paris in January. Wonderful. Going out to the Maisonneuve show. What were your just overall impressions going there this time? You've been there several times before. It was uh, mixed feelings because uh, it's a huge fair. They have uh, more than 2,500 exhibitors uh, and uh, a lot of optimism. Uh, It's uh, quite sure, I'm sure that you can share these feelings after being to Pitiomo in Florence that, uh, yeah, the trade fair has made a strong comeback, a strong post-pandemic comeback. Mm. And given that I've been there before, I knew where to go. But still, I really wanted to check out because there are seven halls at Maison Aubier. And you won't have time to um, experience uh, more than a fragment of those 2,500 exhibitors. But you still right. want to go through uh, all the seven halls just, just to browse and see, you know. But then, then you get lost. You, you completely get lost. And uh, there are uh, great directions on where to go, but uh, you, you end up uh, in a garden um, section or in... Um, yeah, God knows, uh, to all those many hundreds of brands where uh, like the climate crisis, um, it, 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 it hasn't appeared uh, to them. It, it's not a reality to them. It's business as usual. And uh, they will um, remain with the, the same way of doing business, uh, the same um, old fashioned way of doing business uh, as they always have until the EU will come and knock on the door and say, yeah, you need transparency for all your products, yada, yada. 
Well, we'll certainly cover that angle of things in in uh, uh, weeks to come. And uh, it's easy to get overwhelmed at these uh, events for sure. Even in the smaller versions up here in Scandinavia, it can be overwhelming. But but talk about these uh, this concept of of wellness kind of being infused in kind of the design conversation uh, because th- this is something it's almost like a crossover between you know our big focus is the beauty uh, uh, you know sector with our beauty innovations uh, program we also cover the design sector it feels to me oh is there is there a crossover happening here yeah and that's why my overall impression from Paris is so good because uh, Maison Aubier has clearly taken a role here being a traditional interior design fair until I don't know five years ago while now they, they know that uh, in order to stay relevant as a meeting place and as a destination twice a year, uh, they need to progress and uh, include uh, more areas and more sec- sections in order to attract uh, new buyers and new brands, new exhibitors, uh, new visitors. So uh, yeah, this, uh, this uh, edition of uh, the, the trade fair uh, had a certain theme called Tech Eden. So, uh, they had implemented uh, tech innovation, wellness, uh, beauty, and uh, yeah, more lifestyle into the entire concept, which was proven not only by the exhibitors, uh, but also, which we will hear later on uh, in the trend exhibitions. And um, yeah, w- we could see a lot of uh, new brands because they had pointed out uh, at the fair uh, new exhibitors, like marked out, like this is a new exhibitors. Mm. exhibitor and you saw that sign wherever you went so it was clear that uh, there were a bunch of new exhibitors uh, which wouldn't have been there maybe three four five years ago so it felt quite modern if you knew where to go so to say that's super fascinating and and uh, happy to hear given how there's so much talk about the uh, economic climate and and the hesitation in the marketplace as well and and I also find that, you know, going to the international shows at the beginning of, of uh, this month down in Italy, there's kind of a dual sense of, of both optimism and hesitation at the same time, which I find fascinating. Yeah, for this edition, I made just as many interviews uh, related to beauty and wellness for our beauty innovation newsletter as I did with um, all the other sectors like lifestyle, interior design. So a lot of good content coming up in the next few weeks. All right, Yuan, so you've managed to make uh, three interviews for this podcast, I should say. I know you came back with a bunch more interviews that we'll use in the feeds uh, in the weeks to come. But we have picked out three interviews um, and they're kind of... We're going to publish them by length. So the longest one will be at the end of this episode uh, with... Um, Mallory Huron. But let's start with uh, Laurence Carr. She's the founder and CEO of what she call a circular design firm. What does that mean? Yeah, it, uh, she, she's also like a Maison Aubier ambassador uh, mm. for sustainability. So she pointed out the fact that uh, they now have uh, 150 plus exhibitors uh, that has uh, implemented uh, sustainability to 100% in their daily operations. And uh, her own company is another example of that, uh, ranging all the way from uh, materials to, um, yeah, life cycle assessments, which she will mention in, the, in our talk. 
All right, let's get into it. This is Laurence Carr, founder and CEO of the circular design firm Laurence Carr. Enjoy. So my name is Laurence Carr. I'm the founder and CEO of Laurence Carr Inc., a regenerative interior design firm based in New York City, and founder also of Studio Laurence, which is a luxury home goods focused on circular design. I am also a sustainability ambassador to Maison et Objet and uh, um, part of the advisory board of the United Nations uh, Fashion and Lifestyle Network. And your firm, they work with uh, regenerative practices? Uh, yes, we work with uh, uh, circular practices. So what we focus on where we design projects or when we design products are the life cycle assessment of any product, uh, also where it's sourced, what material it is made of, and the supply chain of the manufacturers that we work with. We really promote healthy materials, biomaterials and upcycle materials. And when you look at the LCAs, um, there has been discussions about materials, how important they are, while now we speak more about uh, longevity, right? Yes, yes, we do. We, we speak about the fact, uh, I think it, it's very similar to the philosophy less is more, and what we want to do is keep a product as long as possible, and um, we want to revisit uh, some of the processes such as disassembly, reassembly, reuse, recycling, upcycling, existing materials, existing products, how can we upcycle them so you know, we have longevity in, uh, in the, with this product. What would you say is the biggest obstacle uh, to in, in, in increase circularity in the design industry? Uh, education. Uh, really educating manufacturers, brands, retailers, uh, you know, to really, um, you know, consult them, really give them access to more of these uh, life cycle uh, assessment of their products. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, working together, collaboration, really showing that to revisit or to make changes uh, to the way they do business, uh, we can do it collaboratively. And you mentioned here before that uh, here at this edition of Maison Aubier you have 150 brands totally committed to sustainability in all aspects. Yes, so that's all. a positive sign, right? We're it moving is. in the right direction. We are moving in the right direction and uh, Maison Objet also um, have initiatives uh, that I mentioned, um, but they really look into the waste, look into reusing even the panels of some of the, uh, you know, um, most of the exhibit booth and also uh, how to uh, make sure they don't have waste and how they can also redistribute the food, for instance, that is distributed in the fur to the Red Cross. And so they work with different partners, local partners, on how to address the waste. And I think that's very important as well. And also uh, lower the environmental footprint. Final question. Um, EU regulations, do we talk enough about it? They're soon here, most likely. The more we, the more we do this, uh, the more we talk about them, the more we can really um, make sure that we are um, addressing them, the better, the better, and the more. And I think the fact that they'll, they'll, they'll come into, you know, in place is very good. Again, education. Education, education. All right, that was Laurence Carr, founder and CEO of her design firm, Laurence Carr. 
going to places like this is always good because there's, there's so much insight and knowledge present and you really took this to heart you and you've, you've captured two kind of trend forecasting agencies to uh, kind of get a download on their view of what's happening. Uh, first one out is Brun Okrat from, she's the <laughs> strategic planner and I love this, she's a perspectivist. <laughs> That's her title. I, I love that. Maybe we should get a perspectivist on Scandinavian mind. It's, maybe that's you. I think we already have one, and I'm speaking to him <laughs> right now. <laughs> I think we all are perspectivists. We have to add that to our uh, roster when we speak to our clients. Um, anyways, why did you decide to, to speak to Brun? I've been to so many trade fairs now, and uh, given our focus on insights from uh, various industries, I know that... Uh, at those uh, biggest uh, marketplaces, uh, trade fairs, uh, they will always have trend exhibitions and they will always have representatives um, uh, present there. And uh, I love uh, the fact going to trend agencies because their perspective is like one year ahead, two years ahead. I can, if we talk about Peclair Paris, uh, my mm. maybe favorite article from last year was when I met Peclair at SIF in Copenhagen and talked about uh, the future of wellness. Uh, it was an amazing conversation. They also had a great trend talk. So I do recommend uh, anyone going to any of those trade fairs to to get a chance to or take the opportunity to to visit uh, like all those uh, exhibitions. Uh, I, I think it was maybe ten of them uh, at Maison Abbey at such a big marketplace or a, a meeting place. But uh, yeah, I chose Peclair Paris, and um, you will hear why. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Here's Brun Ograt, strategic planner and perspectivist at Peclair Paris. We're here at uh, Maison Aubier in your exhibition. Yeah. What can you say about it? So here uh, we, we decided for the overall fair, the theme Tech Eden, which is an internet connection between the world of technology, science, with the natural world. And this notion of Eden that is quite a luxurious vision of uh, nature. And we worked on the future of hospitality because we really believe that it's a sector that is going to have to shift a lot because as consumers, we are more and more um, evolving in terms of desires. And we believe that it have everything we do uh, are going to have double meaning and will have to be hybridized, meaning that I don't want just to live one experience. I want it to be doubled and extended with another one. And thus, we created three capsules that are uh, inspired by the natural rhythm of nature. So the first one is about awakening. The second one is more an active phase. And where, where we are right now is a more regenerative phase. And thus, every space is an hybridation with two different concepts. So the first one is an hybridation with a coffee, a restaurant in the coffee space with a well-being space because we truly believe that uh, tomorrow we know that we, our food and the way we eat is ultra interconnected to our well-being, our mental health, as well as our physical health, of course. So we really thought about how tomorrow coffee will have to be uh, rethinking not only the food they are producing, but the ways they can uh, awaken the senses of people to make them feel better and to eat things that are also kind of uh, a form of beauty uh, in and out. Then the second space is more about, uh, uh, it's called the gym station. So it's a waiting room in a, in a train station that is being uh, transformed through a sport uh, space. 
and because we really believe that uh, we we are more and more focused about performance and optim optimizing our our lifetime and thus uh, when we're waiting in the waiting room we are bored and we are losing our time so by mixing it with gym uh, we think that we can create something that is stronger and more active and awaking our senses and then the last room uh, it's uh, the spa room and we wanted to focus on a hotel room and to understand how this hotel room and especially the um, the bathroom of the hotel room are going to be transformed through the well-being sector also because uh, we're working with a lot of uh, person in, in hospitality and what they, we see about consumers is that they are more and more waiting for uh, hospitality spaces and room to be ultra adapted uh, to their needs and personalized and the bathroom is like the space where you can transform everything to be ultra um, focused on people's needs and evolving through technology. So maybe in the morning I want something and it's not the same thing that when I'm going to bed. So uh, here in this, um, in this bathroom, uh, it's uh, really how we can transform our daily rituals and make them more uh, concerned to how we're being and how the spa of tomorrow is going to be private and to be directly in your room rather than a public space where you don't want to be in total with others. And it's, it's inspired by the concept of sun bath. So sun bath is a meditative thing where you're going to be curated uh, through sounds uh, and it's integrated most often with yoga and things like that. It's about mindfulness. And that's why we wanted to transform this idea of bath to be like a space where you can just emerge yourself that is not with too many objects because we wanted you to be in a quiet mode and to have the possibility to just pose yourself and take time for you. Even in quite challenging times, at least in Scandinavia, the spas and the, the, the skin therapists, they're having uh, really busy days. Yeah. What are the keys in order for them to be relevant also in five or ten years? Because obviously the competition is just yes. growing and growing. Yeah. Uh, for instance, here we have some skin therapists also. We wanted to work with facial yoga and things like that. And for me, I really believe that it's the ability to provide personalized care, meaning maybe and to surprise customers, because maybe as a customer, I don't know what I need. Uh, I have skin, I have a body, and I'm just thinking, okay, I'm not feeling well, but I don't know why. And I think the ability of, uh, of expert uh, person is to be ultra transforming the way they provide care to person regarding their need and even the needs they don't even express or know. So I think it will be key. And also to work through cross-sectorials and polysensorial manners, meaning that uh, maybe I want to have a skin therapist, but I want him to give me advice of what should I eat in order to have something that is more holistic and more global. And yeah, and to work through all the senses, meaning um, if I go to a spa and I have a great massage of the face, but the spa doesn't smell perfectly good, or the light is not great, and or is a, I don't like the mat I'm on, etc., it's going to be a bad experience at the end. So we need to work on a 360 degrees uh, manner through senses. Do you see any signs of um, the industry going in this direction? or are they too slow or conservative? 
No, I think there is a lot of shifting in the, by integrating also technology. It allows a lot of things about this to create more immersive spaces and interconnected. And for instance, for, for this project, we spoke about a spa that is quite interesting. That is called Lorea, which is in uh, Portugal in the, um, the forest of Madeira, Madeira, which is a magical, unreal forest. And what we like about this spa is that it's uh, in a way connected to technology because it has some panels with, that are super immersive and that are going to transform when you touch them. But also they're doing some forest bathing in the spa and they're going to do therapies that are using products directly from the forest and you can smell some smells of the forest but transform. So it's what I like about this. It's at 360, degrees and that it's using tech but in a non... Um, Overstimulating way, more, not like that is going to be cold or uh, too, too complicated for a consumer to assimilate, but just to, to awaken senses. Final question you, you also work a lot with the well being. Yeah. Can you share any future insights on what's next in well being? I think there is, as always, a lot of contradictions trends so here we are more on the trend about well-being that is about holistic well-being and really uh, awakening your sense but on the other hand uh, what I see emerging is the quest of pleasure and this notion of finding pleasure more important than well-being because people feel like the notion of well-being can be about sobriety and uh, sustainability and Play, uh, mindfulness, etc., and some new customers, and especially Gen Z, for instance, they are going to ask, "Okay, I want to be free. I want to to live out sobriety. I want to extend my field of pleasure." And thus, we see in well-being uh, some new products that are not about, "Okay, you're going to eat perfectly and have a three hours routine skincare, etc.," but more about, "Okay, you've been out and uh, you've got a huge hangover and you look terrible. So I'm doing patches for you." to go to the office and not looking terrible. For instance, 4AM is a brand I really love that is from the US. And it's really about this. It's about, okay, I, I accept you as a consumer, as a, a customer, and I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I'm more here to accompany your, your daily life. And that is not always about uh, eating mindfully and uh, doing yoga. All right, that was Brun Okrat, strategic planner at Peclair Paris. All right, finally, we have a bit of a longer interview with Mallory Huron. She's a beauty and wellness strategist at Fashion Snoops, also a well-known and leading trend agency, which we have met uh, before. Am I right, Yuan? Yeah, and uh, speaking about wellness, they uh, arranged uh, their own exhibition um, and... uh, they didn't want to make things complicated, so they called the exhibition The Future of Wellness. And mm. um, it had uh, certain themes, for instance, uh, Symbiotech and um, most importantly, Longevity. And uh, they had implemented uh, beauty, wellness, uh, lifestyle. So while Peclair Paris maybe had a more of a hospitality focus, we're now deep diving into wellness and uh, the future perspective provided by Fashion Snoops. Exciting stuff. Let's get into it. Here's Mallory Huron, beauty and wellness strategist at Fashion Snoops. So this is an annual report we do. And yes, it was just launched two days ago. Um, And this report is really 
our baby because we put so much work into it. We start, we have already started next year's research doc, um, which is what we do. We spend all year compiling research and seeing what trends are emerging, what trends are dropping off, how trends are evolving. Um, we're constantly just covering all um, areas like trade shows, culture, wellness, tech. We're looking at all this information download um, and beginning to sort it. And then around November, sometimes earlier, sometimes later, depending on what we're seeing with the trends, we start to define our top trends more concretely. Um, and the way the report is structured is we have an explanation as well as some examples of innovators in the space who are really exemplifying the trend and doing it well and pushing the conversation forward. What can you say about this, uh, this edition? So this edition, we're focusing on three themes. We have symbiotech, longevity, and introspection. Uh, these are, of course, conversations that we've seen adapting and evolving over the years, but they feel particularly relevant now, um, especially longevity. It's all about longevity and aging well right now. It's what everyone is obsessed with. Um, not just in beauty, it's not just topical in terms of wanting to look younger. It's about wanting to be almost like immortal. We, you have these billionaires who are paying tons of money to literally reverse aging in their body. We have so much anti-aging tech. We also are just seeing a lot of really interesting accessible ways for people to age better. Um, and we have a increasingly growing global aging population. Um, countries like Japan, for example, are dealing with this right now. It's a huge, um, pro not problem, I would say, but challenge for many countries to how do we deal with you know, a reality where we're going to have a majority of an aging population. Um, so I think it's a really topical one for now. Um, although that aside, um, Symbiotech, of course, deals with the biotechnology movement, which is all about that fusion of nature and technology, trying to use lab-based and tech-based solutions to adapt and generate nature, like think synthetic ingredients, think alternatives to ingredients that are oversourced in um, the wild, that are de depleting you know, the earth, and then um, in our introspection trend that's all about going within. We're seeing a lot within solitude. We've seen a lot in terms of solo traveling, um, solo wellness, not just meditation, things like darkness retreats, like going into a dark room for days and just really getting in touch with what is going on in your mind. So some super interesting things happening there as well in the wellness space. If you were to pick one uh, particular trend, um, what would it be? Ooh. Um, well, I, I think longevity is the strongest one, but I think we all need a little bit of the introspection right now, honestly. You know, it's the mental health conversation is very real. Um, many young people are struggling with it right now. And I think one of the best ways to address it is to really get to know yourself, get in touch with your inner emotions and mental health and really uh, take time. We have a, a category within introspection called Do Not Disturb, which is all about the need to unplug from technology from time to time, uh, which I think is, you know, super relevant because as much as tech is amazing and is really helping our humanity, um, it's something, especially social media, we do need some structured time away from, for sure. <laughs> the issue of mental health is, of course, huge and unfortunately growing. However, it might be problematic for brands to sort of take advantage of it. 
have you also looked into that? Uh, any solutions in order to gain market shares or because you don't want to get bad reputation for trying to make money of people's uh, right. being unwell? Right. No, I mean, I think it's a fine line. I think you have to represent yourself authentically if you're going to address this issue. Um, whatever your brand ethos is, whatever your product is, if you want to address the issue of mental health, do it in an authentic way. Offer a genuine resource to your followers or to your customers, whether it's something as simple as connecting them with mental health resources via your social media, whether it is just talking about it on your social media, just talking about what these issues are, raising awareness. Um, so I think authenticity is key in terms of addressing the mental health conversation, but not seeming like capitalistic about it. And the Asia remains the driving factor here. Yes, huge driving factor, especially within biotech um, innovations, as well as longevity. I mean, they've been so ahead of the game in longevity for so long now. Um, again, not just with topical products, we're talking ingestible wellness, um, super advanced. This is not your mom and dad's vitamin. These are super charged um, vitamins um, and Nutri-Cosmetics that we're seeing as well as um, like MedTech, um, MedTech, HealthTech, it's just next level in Asia. So they're definitely driving this conversation forward for sure. It's a rapid development now with beauty and MedTech uh, merging, right? Yes, yes. It's, um, I mean, we, in our Symbiotech trend, uh, we have, we selected products for each, to represent each trend. Um, our partner Marina from the well, Parisian wellness boutique La Cienograph helped um, pick some of these uh, beauty tech examples out. We have, for example, a, an LED hairbrush. Um, LED technology is on the rise. We're seeing a lot of encouraging research about it. I think um, people were skeptical about the technology at first, um, but we're seeing good things about consistent use of LED lights. Um, I think the only way to go is up with this technology. It's only gonna get cheaper, better, more affordable. Um, we can already see the price points for LED therapy going way, way down. They start off sky high and you can still, you can still buy very expensive LED masks, but consumers now can go on Instagram and through Instagram shop, buy one for like 60 euro. You know, it's super easy. Um, also, you know, microcurrent therapy, um, again, super beneficial, very easy to apply. And we're seeing a lot of health tech um, and like beauty tech that is merging technologies. So we'll see LED lights with microcurrents, with maybe heat therapy. So again, the merging of all this beneficial tech is another area that is just, you know, to the benefit of the consumer, multiple therapies in one better value. If we look at consumer behavior, uh, one uh, lesson learned from uh, the post-pandemic uh, is, of course, the knowledgeable end consumer. Yes. And what we look at here is quite advanced tech. Mm. And uh, I assume you, you have a future perspective for 2025 rather than this year. But do you also see that consumers are adapting to new technologies or are these more like uh, more on show here at the fair? No, they definitely are. Um, this is the most educated beauty consumer in history. Uh, this is being driven largely by social media, especially uh, TikTok. The knowledge sharing on TikTok is unprecedented, truly. You have people who work in factories making uh, beauty products uh, talking about 
oh, this product is good or this product is bad, you know, creating transparency, holding brands accountable. We have dermatologists, um, formulators, cosmetic chemists saying, this is why this ingredient is good and bad. You shouldn't mix this ingredient. This, this therapy doesn't work. Don't waste your money on it. Don't listen to people who tell you that it does. I'm a doctor. You know, we see so much of this on TikTok. And so consumers have become hungry to be ahead of what the next gimmick is. Consumers want to be the experts themselves. They're skeptical, but they also love a good challenge of finding out about products. How is it made? What is the inky list? How's the packaging? Um, so there, it's almost like a little game. It's a challenge to them. Um, and they love, they love going on and finding out the information. So yeah, they, they are definitely ahead of, ahead of the game as well. And it keeps brands on their toes and it keeps us on our toes as well. <laughs> And uh, it's also quite a fact that uh, beauty and well-being, we're standing here at the uh, entire hall with beauty and well-being, uh, and we're at what's typically an interior design fair. Yes. So that says quite a lot, right? It is. I mean, it's, it's interesting because one thing that we saw come out of the pandemic, um, in the early days of the pandemic, a constant refrain was, Every brand needs to act like a wellness brand in order to survive. Doesn't matter what you make, couches, cars, whatever it is, you need to act like a wellness brand in order to resonate with consumers. And I think that really the pandemic and everything that happened because of it in terms of mental health and the physical health challenge as well, of course, of the crisis, really put this sharp focus on how wellness, consumers are looking for wellness everywhere. Everywhere they go, they're looking for wellness. They want to be treated on that human level. And so it doesn't matter what you're selling. If, you know, again, it's surprising to see, of course, at a predominantly home design fair, but it's smart. It's smart for them to incorporate this because it's a huge market. And of course, wellness is intrinsically connected with our homes. We know things like neuroaesthetics and the way we design the flow of our spaces, the lighting, the color, it has a huge effect on our mood. Um, and our happiness and well-being, and so it's just intrinsic. It touches everything in every industry. Just to wrap up, uh, you touch, touched upon it several times, but uh, what's the one key takeaway if we talk about the future of wellness? How would you like to summarize it? Oh, that's a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, how would I like to summarize the future of wellness in one key takeaway? Um, I would say... <sighs> I would say the future of wellness is ever evolving, but it's something that can't be dismissed. Um, it's not, I feel like even just 10 years ago, maybe more 15 years ago now, but so many of these practices were so out there, you know, they were seen as very like hippie sort of like witchy practices, you know, things like new spirituality, like all crystal healing, you know, um, you know, drinking like algae powder, like all these things were so out there for a long time, but now it seems almost old news to us. And so if you see something within the wellness space that comes around that seems bizarre or like super out there, don't dismiss it because the thing that might sound weird or too far out there now might be commonplace in five, 10 years. So definitely don't dismiss anything that's popping up in the wellness space um, have a healthy dose of skepticism because that's something we see in wellness as well um, there's a lot of um, you know practices that are really not beneficial um, and so we see a lot of discourse around what is and what isn't beneficial but so keep that healthy skepticism but I would say definitely embrace the new and the weird within wellness 
but that's also the thing with new tech. Uh, mm -hmm. It takes some time be before it's um, evaluated. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, several years ago when LED masks first premiered, you know, it was felt so weird to be sitting around with this glowing device on your face, like, you know, like Star Wars, <laughs> you know, but nowadays all the TikTok and Instagram girlies are taking their selfies with it. They, they all take Zoom calls with their LED mask on. It's cool to be seen like engaging with that level of sophisticated beauty tech now. It's like a status thing. Um, and so, yeah, whereas, you know, 10 years ago it was kind of funky and weird and the technology wasn't great, but now it's, now it's commonplace. Yes, commonplace indeed. All right, that was Mallory Huron, beauty and wellness strategist at Fashion Snoops. You won a great job covering the trade show. Uh, obviously, we're we're smack in the middle of kind of trade show, fashion week, design week season. It will go on for another few weeks. I uh, put up uh, my kind of reflections from going to Pitti Uomo in Florence uh, the other week on my newsletter, uh, which anyone can read. You can also read my weekly column up on scandinavianmind.com. But, you know, I, I, kind of, I, was, I kind of was talking about the, the kind of the changing role of the trade show. And I, down in Florence, there's such a strong community in, in the menswear space. Uh, people really know each other and it, you kind of get the sense that business is not really done there. People do are doing business anyways throughout the seasons but they're really using this trade show to interact to uh, network to meet with each other to perhaps provide a, an opportunity for uh, employees and buyers to get a you know positive experience ahead of the upcoming season what are your impressions from going to a show like Maison Bied? You know, it serves many different functions obviously and what is the temperature uh, do you think of the trade show generally if I talk about my impressions from Maison Aubier, it's uh, hotter than ever. It's clear mm. that uh, these kind of um, destinations like uh, Pitti or Maison, uh, they are so needed. But I, I compared it uh, while in Paris uh, with like uh, blogs or podcasts. So we had a boom for both of these uh, media formats. And then, of course, after a few years, uh, you know, the biggest, they will remain. So we will see Pitti Uomo for, I don't know how many years. Uh, Maison Obie, they celebrated an anniversary this time. And I'm very certain that they will celebrate more anniversaries. Because uh, even before the pandemic, we started hearing about um, how uh, unmodern trade fairs were. And to some mm. extent, I agree, of course. Uh, we've done it in similar ways for, I don't know how many years. But uh, the biggest players, they will remain while, uh, and also I would say the niche ones, like uh, the super nerdy ones, mm. like the fragrance fair in September in Florence, also uh, arranged by uh, the Pitti organization. It will, of course, remain, but uh, on a smaller scale. Uh, and uh, there are room for new players to come up here uh, if they have a relevant uh, a, a concept that is relevant enough, I would say. Uh, but uh, I prospect... I, I, my future perspective on this is quite bright. Very fascinating. I feel maybe we should do a, a kind of a follow up on the trade show uh, uh, space at the end of this season. We also have two episodes from ISPO in Munich that we haven't aired yet, where our editor at large, Friedrich Ekstrom, was there interviewing a bunch of high level people. So 
uh, so much more content coming out on this topic. And let's tease as well, because there was another show that you went to while in Paris, kind of doubled down, and it was on packaging, right? It was actually the Paris packaging... Paris packaging week. I love it. I found that... I found out about it uh, almost by accident, you know, and then I realized there's got to be like a trade fair during Paris Packaging Week. And mm. yeah, there, there were four of them. <laughs> so I went to like, um, yeah, one of them was uh, or three of them were at the same location. So I went to um, uh, Paris Expo in central Paris and they had a. Uh, yeah, they had one section with only like aerosol suppliers. Uh, one section with um, suppliers for liquids and uh, yeah of course I went to the one for beauty packaging and spoke to a bunch of uh, innovators and bigger industry players uh, as always the Nordics were at the forefront with biomaterials and um, other innovative solutions um, yeah more to come so to say well, we're no strangers to going down rabbit holes when it comes to materials and material innovation. So I guess it was only a matter of time before we went there with beauty packaging as well. Looking forward getting back to that. Also looking forward to seeing our dear readers and listeners in Copenhagen during our Beauty Innovation Talks at SIF. That's on February 1st in the afternoon. We're going to have a live podcast recording at SIF and then host a cocktail for the beauty industry. So if you're around, if you're at the fair, uh, do reach out to us uh, or just go to our website and sign up via the RSVP link. So much stuff happening this season at Scandinavian Mind. So stay tuned by signing up to our newsletter. Visit ScandinavianMind.com slash newsletter. And of course, our dedicated beauty innovation newsletter. Visit ScandinavianMind.com slash beauty innovation. Till next week, goodbye. Bye.